On JP2 Morning Crew. It is Friday, January 19th, the second week of Ordinary Time. I'm Brandon Clark coming to you from the Morning Crew studio, and co hosting with me today is Steve Sponskowski. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? Brandon, doing great today. Blessed and uh, really uh, hopeful uh, in the Lord that as we enter into this ordinary time, it's not actually that ordinary because it's a wonderful opportunity to grow and continue our journey towards the Lord um, as we've just, uh, you know, can celebrated the Christmas season, and we just continue to move forward in, in faith and trust in Him. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's certainly a call to be able to keep the season of Christmas alive in our hearts, isn't there? I think there is. You know, it's a, you know, there's that kind of sense of it should be Christmas all year round. And of course, as we were talking, you know, recently on a recent show, talking about how Christ is the center of everything um, all year round, you know, all year round. And so there is that real sense. Uh, but there are great celebrations throughout the entire year. And Ordinary Time is a, a, the opportunity to take that celebration that we just came through and enter into that even more deeply. Because guess what? Ordinary Time is going to go away too as Lent's coming up, followed by Easter, followed by some more Ordinary Time. But again, it's not so ordinary because the Lord's with us the entire time. You mentioned Lent. I, I happen to notice that Lent is on February 14th, Valentine's Day this year. You know, before we jump into our special guest today, I do want to take a moment to read and reflect on today's gospel, because I think it ties really well in with what we're going to be talking about. So for our listeners, our our gospel reading today comes from Mark chapter 3, and it's verses 13 through 19. Jesus went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Steve, I know it stands out to me in this reading, but I'm curious. Let's just start with you. Anything strike you here that you want to share? Oh, how can you not read Scripture without being struck by so many things that you could talk on them <laughs> for hours? Um, and we'll let the, we'll we'll have more conversation on that. But I guess one a couple of first things, Brandon, that sent out to me. He appointed twelve. Of course, there were the originally twelve tribes of Israel, so that twelve number really has a great significance. I also love how in this, and of course, this list of names um, is in, you know, numerous of the Gospels. And they, they kind of talk about how they're called by name. We're called by name. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord. And it's not even just their name, but also a little bit about each one of them. You kind of see a little bit here. There's some of their background, maybe even certain, you know, the Sons of Thunder. What does that mean? You know, obviously there's something there. 
uh, about their personality that, that that is here. And even guess what? They also named Judas and they mentioned who betrayed him. You know, there's there's this that really stands out to me that each one of these these men were called by the Lord um, for a particular reason. He knew them and he's inviting them um, into this deeper relationship. And so that's the first thing. Of course, like I said, there's many things that one can say, but those are the first two things that stand out to me, Brandon. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Just really quick, what stood out to me was just this call and response. So he summoned those whom he wanted and they came to him. And I think it's just a good reminder for us that Jesus is always reaching out to us. He's always calling out to us. Uh, And so it's up to us to be able to respond to that calling and serve him in whichever way he calls us to. Well, I think it is. And I know that's the What's the great thing about this, though, and of course, you continue to read more scripture, you know what that when he does call each of these men, they respond quickly, which means there's been a preparation in their heart that the Lord has been preparing them for this. He's been preparing all of Israel um, since the beginning of, of, of salvation history for his coming. But here, when they they hear the call and they respond very quickly, it is that reminder that the Lord is preparing all of us for an encounter with him. And I'm going to go back to, I always love that word encounter. The Latin root for it means an, you know, an un, uh, an unexpected collision, <laughs> really. It's like, I didn't expect to see the Lord here. And so he's, he's compare, preparing us for this unexpected uh, encounter, this collision with him, where we're going to say, oh Lord, I didn't expect to find you here. But he is, is in all places um, and, and really wanting to, Uh, be with us in all that we do. And so these gentlemen were prepared for that encounter and they were able to respond uh, because of that preparation. That's such great insight. So to our listeners, really want to encourage you to check out the gospel reading from today from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Well, today on JP2 Morning Crew, our special guest is Deacon Jim Vargas. Now, I mentioned that the gospel reading fits very well with what we're going to be talking about today, uh, which is the state of homelessness here in the San Diego area and how Father Joe's Villages is making a difference. So we, we mentioned the calling, that, that call and response. Jesus has called each one of us that we might be with him and serve him. And Steve, that's exactly what Deacon Jim and the team at Father Joe's Villages is doing. Absolutely. And I'm exactly very excited to to speak again with you. Deacon Jim, how are you doing today? I'm blessed, Steve. Thank you for having me. And I just get to meet Brandon. We haven't met before. So welcome, Brandon. I know you're you're new to JP2 Catholic Radio. So welcome. Thank you, Deacon. I appreciate it. As we uh, begin our show today, do you mind opening us up in prayer? Sure, absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, Your son called us that we might be with him. I love that term in the gospel, that we might be with him. With him in order so that we can then go forward, go forth, because he calls us to go forth to be his heart, his heart of compassion, mercy, and love, especially to the most vulnerable in our our midst, in our community, but also just to those who surround us, our family and our friends, those with whom we work, those with whom we interact, keeping in mind that you want us not only to be with you because you are with us as well and we carry you we carry you forward so that we can be icons of your most compassionate heart and people can feel you as we minister to them in so many various ways so we ask you to bless bless us in our endeavors so that we can be impactful not for our own sake but for the sake of those 
who we are blessed to serve, especially the the most vulnerable, who those who are on the streets, the poorest of the poor. We thank you for that opportunity, always in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Jim Jim Var Deacon Jim Vargas here with us from Father Joe's Villages, and you know you just heard us talking a little bit, Deacon Jim, about the readings and the calling of the twelve. But of course, you're actually an ordained deacon, so can you share with us a little bit of your own insights and maybe reflections on, on those readings? Well, you know, it's it's interesting how you can you break open the scriptures, and each one gravitates to certain parts of the scriptures. Isn't it wonderful? And and I'll tell you what struck me, and I refer to it in, 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 the, in the prayer there, what struck me is that he calls us that we might be with him. Oh, I love that. I love that. When I read that, I read that one line just over and over and over again, that we might be with him. How great is that? How joyous is that? That we might be with the Lord. And that's what it's all about. And yet, it's not a matter of just keeping him to ourselves, right? It's a matter of then send, he sends us forth. Right, so that we could share him, and that and that's what it's all about. If we've if we've had an encounter with him, then that encounter is for the benefit not only of ourselves, but those who who our Lord places around us, our family, our children, our spouses, our friends, and so forth. And and so that's what it's all about. So that's why beautiful reading. All scripture is beautiful, obviously, and and that's what kind of um, just tugged at my heart as I reflected on on the, on the reading for for today. Deacon, I'm curious to know about your own personal call to the diaconate and that discernment process. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. In fact, in June of this year, on the Feast of St. Ephraim, um, it will be 18 years since my class and I were ordained. We were a class of 12, and um, we, we still obviously keep in touch, and we're, and we're close, even though we have our various minister, ministries. Um, but it was 18 years ago, and, and great, great feast day, St. Ephraim, for us, because he's become our patron saint, obviously, since we were ordained on that day, but also he was a deacon, and that was significant uh, as well. So anyway, I just thought, I thought I'd mention that. But my call, I mean, my call came when I was young, if you, if you think about it. And, and um, initially, I thought I'd be a priest. I was in minor seminary. For a number of years and um, had met someone before I went into minor seminary and we were friends. Uh, my, she's now my bride and has been my bride for 46 years. Um, but at, at 12, I met her and we were just friends. Went off to minor seminary and really was going on to philosophy years. Um, when then we sparked up a, 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 a romance in a sense, right? We, and I started courting her. Well, that term isn't used anymore, according to this, right? But in any case, the reason I point back to that is that even though I wasn't ordained until age 50, the, really the tugging, right, the, the, the call was all the way back then, right? And then in the midst of it all, God gave me the vocation of, of marriage and, and children and now grandchildren. I'm getting to celebrate and enjoy my grandchildren. Now I'm going on number four, guys. In fact, in a few weeks, I'll have a fourth grandson. Um, and so it, it's, it's all good. We're blessed. And, and so, and, but the ministry, I mean, like I said, the tug was there and my, my experiences have all been on the business side, on the corporate side. And it was in the midst of that, that I was ordained. Um, and then when, um, I helped in my, in my last corporate, corporate job, I helped the owner sell his interest. It was a newspaper interest. It was copying newspapers here in, in San Diego. Um, I, he, so was selling his interest. I, I was involved in helping him with that. 
Um, and then I went into full-time ministry, and very different than what I had done before, in that it was baptizing children, officiating at weddings, at burials, and so forth. And so that's what I did, pastoral counseling, marriage counseling, and the like. Um, and then this opportunity came up at Father Joe's Villages. And it's a great, from day one, let me talk about blessings. I've seen that such a great, great fit in the sense of, it's very much an organization, and we'll talk about that. And well, excuse me, a, a, a business in a sense, right? I mean, it's a large organization. It has 450 to 500 employees. I mean, the, the breadth of our comprehensiveness of our service is quite vast. And so it very much is a business of sorts. In fact, there are various business lines, and we'll talk about that. Um, and yet what we produce is a service, is a human service, right? It's, it's caring for the poor and the most vulnerable. So I, it's great, great, great for me as a deacon because that's what we're called to serve. That's what diakonia means in Greek, right? To serve and a great combination. I'm able to use my business acumen and also my pastoral side as well. And so, um, yeah, I've been here almost nine years now at Father Joe's Villages. That's great. Deacon Vargas, thank you so much for sharing. If you're just uh, joining us, you're vi we're visiting with Deacon Jim Vargas again, uh, and he is the president, I believe, of Father Joe's Villages. But you've had uh, many years of experience and kind of this preparation. This call you just kind of gave us, you talked about the preparation for the diaconate and then uh, being coming a part of Father Joe's Villages nine years ago. Talk to us a little bit about that how you look back on that preparation of your work in the corporate world and how that has really prepared you to be really successful um, and, and I, you know, resourceful in, in this work you're doing with Father Joe's Villages. Sure. Well, and, and as I mentioned, you know, after the, I, I decided that that priesthood was not for me and I got married and went into the corporate life and worked for, for, for Citibank for many years, vice president of Citibank back on the East coast. And the, um, Throughout it all, though, it was it, I was involved in so many church activities, right, from um, serving on the liturgical team of the parish to the finance team to the pastoral counseling team to I mean, just across the board. Right. And it's and it's um, in, in during my time at it, it's incredible how, how God, when he places us in different situations, even secular different situations. Therefore, his purpose, right? And I could see it time and time again. I do. I do have to say that throughout my, there were many times throughout my career, my my um, my corporate career, where I would kneel in prayer. A lot of times, at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Have you guys ever been to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan? Oh, it's a beautiful cathedral. You got to go, Brandon. Beautiful cathedral. I love that cathedral. And and the reason was because that it was like two or three blocks from. The corporate quarters of City Corp, and which is where I worked, and so that's where I went to mass, whether it was in the morning or at noon or in the evening, before heading home. And I would sit in prayer after mass, and I would say, "Lord, is, is this all you want from me?" Right? I mean, again, I thought I was going to be in service to the Lord, and yet I was doing all these other things, you know, in addition to my corporate life. Um, but within the corporate life itself, I would ask the Lord, "Is this all you want from me?" Right? And no sooner would I say that. And within a couple of days ago, something would happen at, at, at Citibank where I just smile and, and, and he would make it evident, for instance, ethically, you know, and how you conduct yourself ethically. Right. And and in the corporate life, there are many challenges in that regard. Right? And, and so um, but you're there to be different. All right. Not to be better or holier than thou. Right. But but in order to in recognition that. Our calling in the Lord 
as a result, there's expectations there, right? And how you conduct yourself, how you conduct business, and how do you how do you interact with individuals, right? And interact with 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 respect and lifting them up, right? In the midst of your own career and wanting to get ahead, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not at the expense of others, right? And lifting them up, right? And and helping them in their own career. I remember this one. You know, why she pops into my mind, I haven't thought about her in years, Annabelle. I remember it was early in my career. And at one point she turned to me because she, she, was, she reported to me. And she was um, in a position that required some um, level of analyzing numbers, not very extensive, but analyzing numbers it wasn't necessarily a forte. Right? And, and so she said to me, you know, why do you take the time over and over again to explain the same thing to me? And, and I said to her, because I want you to excel and because, because you're trying and you want to excel, right? Means, but something like that, right? And I, I don't know why that just came to my mind, but the point is that he places us in situations in the lives of other individuals so that they could feel lifted, right? In the whole process. Did I ever mention God to her or Christ to her? No, not at all. That wasn't the case, right? But I was doing it, why? Because I'm driven by Christ. Right. And, and, and so I don't know. It's it, it, so, so my point is in every situation, no matter what, you have those opportunities and those gifts, I call them, if you but take the time and look for them. God is always gifting us, I find. And I found it more and more in my life. And, and, and sometimes we don't take the time to see those gifts because we're so busy and we're running around and there's so much noise and everything else, right? And, um, but the gifts are there each and, each and every single day. And by the way, with a lot of those gifts come challenges a lot of times, very often, right? So those gifts are not absent challenges, um, but they're gifts nonetheless, nonetheless because they, they, come, they go along with grace because grace is a part of it as well. So anyway. Yeah, so thanks for sharing that, Deacon. Uh, and obviously then for nine years now, you've been working and using your gifts with Father Joe's Villages, helping the homeless in the San Diego area. So let's just set the stage a little bit. Can we talk about the state of homelessness in the area? Is there more of an influx? Has it remained relatively the same? New challenges you're facing? What does that look like as you guys work on a day-to-day basis? Well, let me give you a sense of home, the state of homelessness in the U.S. just very quickly to put it in perspective, right? Um, there, there's a count that's taken every year, as you can imagine. And the, uh, the most recent count has the United States almost at 650,000 who are homeless. Think about it. this great country, about 650,000 who are homeless. The prior year was about 590,000, right? So um, you see the, the, the increase there, right? Um, about a third of that number is in California, about a third of that number. And the, in, in California, about 70% of those are on the streets and have no level of shelter. Right? You, then you fast forward to San Diego. San Diego's most recent count, and we're about to take another count another week or so, but the most recent count, which was a year ago, was about 10,300 individuals in the county of San Diego who are, who are homeless, half of whom are on the streets, more families falling onto the streets, more seniors falling onto the streets, and those who are disabled. And so the situation has become quite grave. And it's frankly a humanitarian crisis. Here in San Diego, uh, for every, one of the statistics, recent statistics is that for every 10 individuals who are being helped into housing, 
16 are falling into homelessness. Think about that, right? And so um, it's quite grave. The situation is grave. And that's never happened. That's been a phenomenon in the last couple of years, right? Uh, and it has to do with a number of dynamics. At the end of the day, the reason for homelessness, at least on the West Coast and here specifically in San Diego, is an economic one. It's very expensive to live here. And the rising inflation, we just got inflation numbers yesterday yet again, and they've gone up. So the eggs are more expensive, the, uh, the gasoline more expensive, milk is more expensive. And people who have just been hanging on literally by their fingertips, and you'd be amazed at the percentage of that, uh, that fall under that category, they suddenly are falling onto the streets because they just can't anymore, right? And so, um, and we're seeing that, we're seeing the impact of that and people coming across, across our door. So, um, so anyway, that's just kind of to very quickly, in a nutshell, to put it in perspective for you. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's a housing crisis. We don't have enough housing. And so, yes, we, we need shelters and we need more shelters to get people off the streets in the immediacy and start working with them and the comprehensive and wraparound services to which we, I, I think, Brandon, we're going to be getting into that. Um, and so that's important. But at the end of the day, a shelter is not a home. We have to have housing. And so that's why we're blessed at Father Joe's Villages to have the full spectrum of services across the board. And that really is a blessing because we're unique in this space as a result of that. So, so we, we also develop housing. And one of the most recent development, we, we uh, cut the ribbon a couple of years ago on St. Teresa of Calcutta Villa. I love the name of that building. Think about what Mother Teresa used to do. She used to pick people off the streets. So if nothing else, they would die in dignity. All right, or maybe be able to be brought back to health. And so St. Teresa of Calcutta Villa, I can't take credit, by the way, for that, for having named it that. Um, it was uh, Terry Castor, who's a, a great guy here in San Diego, and he gave $10 million uh, for the building of that building. And so he wanted it named after her. God, so um, God bless Terry Castor and his family. The, uh, but that's 407 homes, the largest of its kind ever built in the county of San Diego for our population. And our population are those who are on the streets or in shelters or are at risk of falling onto the streets so that we catch them so that they don't fall onto the streets. That's a lot less costly and, in, and impactful to these individuals because if you fall onto the streets, the impact is tremendous. The negative impact is tremendous. And, and then it's more costly for the community. So, so um, that's, you know, that's, that's that one there. In fact, God willing, it's always, you know, I always give God the glory. The end of this year um, and in the fourth quarter of this year, we hope to be breaking ground on four new buildings. And in an aggregate, those buildings will have over 300 homes for, for, for individuals as well. So, um, so anyway, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it has to be the, homelessness is very complex because individuals are complex, right? And, and it's not a matter of taking a one size fits all because their, their experiences are very unique. Their journey out of homelessness is unique. So in order to be most effective, you have to apply the correct resources in any given situation so that you can really truly be impactful and lift people up and, and, and they can go forward to self-sufficiency. As you mentioned, uh, Deacon Vargas, you're talking about this wraparound services. I like, I love that image of wraparound. It makes you think of a great big hug, um, you know, with, with our brothers and sisters. But let's talk a little bit about the, the, some of the services that you do provide with this growing need um, uh, to avoid homelessness. Talk about some of the different areas. You talked about some, some housing, but what are some of the other things? I know you provide really medical services and all that kind of thing. Talk a little bit more about that, uh, Deacon Vargas. 
Well, let's talk about basic services, just something that you and I take for granted, and that's eating. All right, eating is important, right? And not just eating, but being well-nourished. When last year we served almost a million meals. Think about that, guys. Almost a million meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and two dining rooms, right? Um, it's, nutrition is extremely important, and it's lacking in this population. And, and as people are feeling more and more food insecure, um, we're, we're seeing it. In fact, we have a food pantry. And today, actually, Friday, is when, if I, when I look out my window here, I will see the long line of cars. And that line has been getting longer and longer to come in and we give them a, a, a box of food that will keep them for this next week so that they don't have to wonder whether they should pay their rent or buy food for their family. So at least we're providing the food for them so that, yes, they can pay their rent because if they don't pay their rent, they're going to wind up on the street at some point. And that's not what we want. Right. So and it's not just any food. It's nutritious food. It's produce and vegetables and fruits and and, and the like and staples. Um, and and so, you know, we the food is an important element, obviously, yes. And, and then, you know, something again that especially you guys can relate to this that we take for granted is just our spiritual well-being. So we have chaplaincy. I have a full-time chaplain, another deacon brother of mine, actually. Uh, I love having him. He has a love for this. And, and, and it's not forced on anyone. Of course, we are a Catholic organization, but we serve everyone. That's what Catholicism is all about. We serve everyone across the board. And, and so it's not forced on them, but we have a weekly mass that we have a Catholic mass on Wednesdays at 11 o'clock. I extend that invitation to you if ever you want to come and to our village. And it's open to our community of residents and team members and volunteers because it sanctifies our work it's the only way i can do my work we have to sanctify the work right and so it's it's there it's available to them but we also make it make um uh, the space available to other denominations and their ministers from other denominations that come in and minister to their own flocks in a sense who are who are, are with us there as well so there's bible study and this all that and i have to tell you there are individuals who have told me that Yes, it, the, the, you know, they appreciated the food. They appreciated the shelter over, the bed, over their heads. And, and yet they point to the, to the work of the chaplaincy and, and Deacon John and, and those who volunteer with him um, because there's a lot of brokenness, right? And the fact that they, that the healing that they need. And so that's there for them, no matter what religion. And so that's an important element as well. We have a day center that's open to, to single men and women and it is just that. It's a, they come in during the day at 8 o'clock in the morning. They come in and then by closes by 4 o'clock. But it gives them a level of respite during the day. Also, you know, things that you and I take for granted, like plugging in our phones, right? And it's just so that it gets charged. Doing laundry services, doing their laundry there. It's that for them. There is, um, you start connecting with individuals. That's actually where people receive their mail. We get hundreds of pieces of mail from the post office on a daily basis there. That's the address of record for a lot of people who are on the streets. I mean, it's something you and I take for granted, right? I mean, we get home, the mail is there. I mean, and, and so, and they need their mail, especially if they're receiving checks of some sort, right? So that's an important element as well. And just connecting with them too, so we can then get them into services and that, and that type of thing. During this time of year, we offer inclement weather services. It's, it's cold out there. I mean, in, in the evening and, and it's wet. Um, and it's windy and people can wind up suffering from hypothermia. And so we open up an additional 134 spots when, when, it, when it's really bad. And it's not every night, but when it's very bad. And um, we have, of late, we've been opening it up quite, quite a lot, actually. 
And this is what we do is they come to us at four o'clock in the afternoon. They have dinner with us. We then in the dining rooms, break down the dining rooms, take, take up all the tables. And that's where we put 134 spaces, right? Warm blankets and the like uh, with cots. And, and um, they sleep with us. And at four o'clock in the morning, unfortunately, at four o'clock in the morning, they have to get up because by five, those dining rooms have to be functional for the breakfast meal. They serve, they, they are able to have breakfast with us. They can take a shower. They get, um, uh, say if they need it, they get some change of clothing and, and, and the like. Uh, but then unfortunately, they're back out on the streets. Right? That's the sad reality of it because we don't have enough shelter. Even though we have a thousand shelter beds, we don't have enough shelter. Brandon, yeah. yeah, Deacon, I hate to interrupt. We only have about 30 seconds left. But uh, if people want to learn more about Father Joe's Villages and how they can support uh, your guys' mission, where should they go? You can go to neighbor.org. That's our website, neighbor.org. Or you can call us. It's, it's 619-HOMELESS. So it's easy enough to remember 619 homeless and they can they can help us in various ways. They can be volunteers. They can uh, we have thrift stores. They can shop at our, our thrift stores. They can donate. We have trucks that go out, preset appointments and pick up household goods, as an example, automobiles and boats and the like. And we sell them at our auction houses and all the proceeds go to services and programs. So then various ways, bequests. Right. I mean, if you think about your legacy and leaving uh, your legacy and, and your and your estate and your will as well. So there are many ways in which people can get get involved. Well, Deacon, I can't believe how fast the time goes sometimes. We thank you so much for joining us here on JP2 Morning Crew. JP2 Morning Crew returns next Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific. Our special guest is going to talk about her powerful conversion experiences, which actually included an exorcism. And then we'll talk about how that led her to battle for souls, fighting against New Age practices in even church-related organizations. That's coming up next Friday on JP2 Morning Crew. That's all for today's show. Up next, it's Life is Worth Living with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. We'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.